Hey there, welcome to the Snakebird Podcast. My name's Josh. And I'm Steve. Together we invite you to join us as we explore the mysteries of Scripture, the realm of God, and freedom through Christ. So spread out those wings. And slither in place. Because this is Snakebird. Hey, welcome Snakebirds to a fresh episode of the cast. Today we're discussing the amazing grace of God, the unmerited favor we don't and will never deserve that permeates our lives with power and presence. That's right, Snake Birds. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you're ready for a fantastic episode as we discuss the power of God's grace, which conquers the doubt that can be under the surface in each of us, whether it be an unconvinced bystander or someone who's just struggling with various doubts in their walk with God or the troubles of life in general. We hope to expound on some biblical truth where the victorious Christian life isn't just a sermon you hear, it's a driving force that can magnify our quality of spiritual existence. Mm. So we hope you're ready for this awesome topic. I know I am. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to doubt, I mean, it's just one of those things that can really dig on you. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's nothing more that the Lord wants to do than to set us free from those nagging doubts, those things that can allow the enemy to get a foothold, whether uh, we've been walking for a long, long time or whether we're just starting our journey. Yeah, for real. And, you know, doubt can come in so many different forms, but I think the root of it, it can always be traced back to a root that can be handled um, if you approach it from a, a biblical and godly way. So mm-hmm. whether, like I said, it's um, it, it's a big doubt or it's a small doubt or it's one that's just been nagging at you for a lot of years, it can be a pretty taxing thing on an individual to have to deal with that under the surface. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been struggling with the big D. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mean Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a cure for that. Yeah, yeah. God does. So... You know, the other day I was scrolling through the old Facebook, just killing time, and I came across a post by a fellow believer who I know distantly, and he had quoted um, this post and made a statement of how people are hopelessly superstitious, and if you were to take away the Bible and the idea of God, we would just worship something else. Wow. And it was really strange for me to hear that coming from a believer And it really bothered me because I don't believe that's the type of belief that God calls us to at all. Um, A lot of times we'll hear uh, people of influence like celebrities make statements like religion is is just for fairy tales for adults or religion is just a coping mechanism people use as a crutch. And, And it doesn't necessarily bother me when I hear unbelievers make that type of comment. But when I hear a fellow believer start to post comments in that realm, it really bothers me, not because it, they make me angry, but because they're claiming something that they don't really feel. Mm-hmm. And that's a tragedy. So, um, yeah, I hope that we can dive into some scriptures here that really shed light on on doubts if they're in that realm or, or like we said, other, other types of doubts that are just holding us back and just nagging at the surface. So Yeah, yeah, especially... I think when I've seen Christians that post things like that or have thoughts like that, you're like, okay, um, I want to first and foremost check my own theology, Mm -hmm. but I also want to get, like you said earlier, to the root of what's going on, of why that belief system might be rearing its head, and how can we combat that first and foremost, uh, like you said, scripturally, and then uh, also just physically in our own lives, like taking every thought captive or or, uh, shining truth on the dark of this world. And, and really, um, that's what it takes is a lot of times it takes combating those things versus being complacent about them. 
Yeah, that's really true. And there's a scripture we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 that says, if our hope in Christ is for this life alone, we are to be pitied more than all men. And that was spoken by Paul, who is openly admitting that if this is all just a fairy tale, then the skeptics are absolutely right. We're just a a pitiful bunch of people who cope with religion as a crutch. Mm -hmm. And so we thought with the knowledge we have that these doubts and reservations do exist among people, that Josh and I could share a little bit of our own testimony before jumping in to God's Word for some awesome application on living by faith, not sight. Yeah, yeah. And if I had a snakebird bell, I would have been ringing it right there with that passage. <laughs> you had it too? <laughs> yeah. Or did you already read it? No, I okay. didn't. I, yeah, I just had it too. I clearly wasn't paying attention if you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right when we started. No. Yeah, I opened with it, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I only oh. listened to my parts. <laughs> yeah. So, Josh, do you want to start us off with a a little bit about your background and your testimony? Sure, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let me take you back uh, a little bit to the 1980s. Uh, I was born in 1981, and I grew up in a relatively Christian household. Um, My mom and dad uh, had gone through patches where they were saved early on and then um, really found each other through a a crusade, a campus crusade ministry, and uh, were serving God when um, they got married and, and they had me. And so I remember about five years old, I was riding with my, my mom in the family vehicle. We were like following my brother on his bicycle. And I remember asking her who Jesus was. And she told me about it. And she asked if I wanted to pray to receive Jesus. And of course, five-year-old me was like, yeah. And I did, and I remember being baptized with my brothers and growing up um, in a church environment, whether it was my dad serving uh, as like a sound engineer or um, a laborer as we helped renovate or rebuild churches, uh, things like that. My mom sang on the worship team, and I just, I loved it. You know, anytime the church was open, my parents were basically there, and I I loved playing with micro-machines and Legos as they had uh, music practice and things like that. And it was their faith for the longest time. I remember um, excelling at things like Bible trivia and all of the the good um, Christian son kind of uh, activities. But I do remember loving God and, and being so excited to grow up in the Bible stories that I did. Now, getting into junior high and high school, I really started to struggle with my faith because I felt like I was very much of a Pharisee where I would put on a face to be at church, but then I also had a face to be um, in public and at school. And I started cursing and I started doing things that I just knew that God did not have for me. And in a lot of ways, I was a hypocrite. And um, the Lord really had to confront me on that, and my parents were so gracious through it all. I remember a time in high school where I was very prideful in the way that I um, was starting to excel in sports, and so I I ended up breaking my knee at the growth plate like three days before our first game. And uh, my dad so graciously was like, well, son— 
you know, we're going to, you're going to heal. Okay. And, and I think this is only going to put you out for like six to eight weeks, but do you think God's trying to tell you anything? And I was like, no. <laughs> and then, um, I went through that and I, uh, got better. Got, I got better. And she turned me into a newt once I got, I got better. Um, so, uh, I was back in the game, uh, in a game eight weeks later and I ended up tearing my ACL in my other leg. And uh, yeah, that was a sickening feeling. And so that was a surgery and and it put me out much longer. And uh, sports at that point kind of went away because I was was in wrestling and I was doing um, like shot put and discus for track and field. And so that that just fell away. And I felt like I lost part of my identity, but I also felt like God was saying, your identity shouldn't be in sports. It shouldn't be in those things. It should be in me. So again, my dad in a very humble way came and said, do you think God is trying to reach you? And I said, no. (laughs) And so, um, and I'll just say this, like, if there's any example of sanctification and change in my life, it was watching my parents because my dad, um, he went from a very uh, able-bodied man and very strong man to someone who um, was very humble. And and he had a physical disability to where he just lived in pain and, and he'd had over 30 surgeries uh, to fix hips and knees and joints and back and everything. And, and just the humility that I saw in him as he aged uh, gracefully and seasoned in the Lord, um, it changed me because of how I watched him. And so I remember my senior year of high school still struggling and still uh, trying to find my identity and still wanting to know my calling because in externally I said I wanted to go to Bible college and I wanted to do these things, but also internally I was still wrestling. And so I ended up getting a job in California at a Christian camp and I thought I was the stuff. I thought I was the bee's knees and you know, I'm telling all my friends, I'm going, you know, in like yearbooks and everything. It's like I'm moving to California and I remember my parents helped me load up my car. It was a nineteen seventy six Chevy Nova. It had the grandma interior, but I loved it. <laughs> and so I was driving um through Needles, California in the dead of summer and I wasn't paying attention to my temperature gauge and I ended up blowing out a head gasket. Oh mercy. And called my parents and my dad's like, You weren't paying attention and you were low on coolant or whatever. And I was like, No. <laughs> and uh, so my parents graciously drove overnight to not only come and pick me up, but to take me to the rest of the way and then to go back and to tow the car home and uh, essentially just save my behind once again. And on the way there, my dad's like, do you think God's trying to tell you something? (laughs) And I said, no. And so, uh, of course, I started working at this camp and I was, um, again, wrestling inside with uh, hypocrisy and um, being two-faced and wanting to just really land. I, I knew inside that I couldn't serve two masters. And so um, being there, I started feeling like the Holy Spirit was really speaking to me. And I remember working there for a couple of months and we went swimming on a Sunday afternoon when no campers were present. And I went off the diving board and I felt a pop in my foot and uh, come to find out that while I was trying to do the world's greatest cannonball, I broke uh, the smallest bone in my foot, but I couldn't walk. 
And so when I was talking to the people there, they said, well, if you can't walk, you can't work. And so I, I called my parents and I said, I, I broke my foot and my dad drove all the way to California oh, wow. again to bring me back home. And on the ride home, he said, Josh, do you think God's trying to get your attention? And finally, I started crying and I said, yes. And um, he said, that's all right. He said he needs to get our attention at times to bring us to him. And uh, through that event and through some revelation, um, it was really awesome because God started to win my heart again and started to have my whole heart, not not just half of my heart. And uh, from there, I... Um, decided to go to Bible college right out of high school and I did that and and really I've I've had moments of of weaknesses and moments of doubt but really uh from that point forward I've I've not looked back and um it's it's been a daily process of just making a choice to follow God but really that's the core of my testimony that's awesome yeah it's and um I lost my dad in in 2011 and uh, I, just looking back, when you're older, you look back and you start to think of all the money that your parents spent to fix things that you broke or the times that uh, you felt so put out because they didn't pick you up from the mall at the certain time or whatever. And now in retrospect, you're like, oh my gosh, I was such a burden. And yet they loved you through it. And then to think about how that equates to even to for my life to God and how much he loves us through our difficulties. And I know not everyone has that experience growing up with their parents. Everybody's parents are different. But I was so thankful for the example that mine set. And so um, it's just it's really difficult to not have him here to say, I'm sorry, and to say thank yeah. you and to say, you know, um, all of your sacrifice, it was worth it because of of where I'm at today um, due to your faithfulness. So that's just a that's just a side note. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff I've heard you you talk about, and I wish I could have met your dad. He sounded like an amazing man. Yeah, exactly. I he never got to meet my wife, and um, I just man, yeah, ex- exactly. He would he would have loved y'all. Well, okay, well. Um... I guess on my end for my testimony, I was uh, raised in a very religious household as well. Uh, My dad and grandparents, they did mission work in Brazil for 13 years. My grandfather was a a professor in a school of preaching. So dinner conversations naturally were filled often with apologetics and biblical doctrine and all of that (laughs) kind of stuff. Very religious household. But... There came a time in my life, uh, around 10 years old, when I started to see a hypocrisy in what was being taught by the Christians who mentored me and what was really being done. And over the next 10 years, I developed a very Pharisee-like existence where I claimed to be a Christian, but deep down, I resented religion and the people that represented it. And eventually, uh, from about 18 to 28, I pretty much abandoned my uh, practicing faith. I lived in a way that I wanted to. When I wanted to, I became uh, an addict to painkillers for about six or seven years. And by 28, I was a full-blown alcoholic. So a little different from Josh's upbringing. Well, not necessarily the upbringing part, but uh, what I dove into. And... um, it was at this point at 28, though, where I had a an interaction with God that it changed the course of my life forever. 
And I don't share the moment very often for a few different reasons, but God made himself known to me in such a way when I was 28 that everything else came into focus really clearly. It was at that point that I realized I had never really met God before, not at least that closely. And uh, keep in mind, at this point, I, I still resented religion. It's not like I was just tired of my rebellious life and, and turned back to what I was raised on. I hated what I was raised on. But God had broken through all of that, and he gave me something real at 28. And after this, eventually I was able to become sober, and a healing began that started to mold me into a new creation. I was still me with all of my tendencies, but things were drastically different. I was slowly starting to get to know the real God, the one whose truth set me free. And at this point, uh, God's grace conquered my doubt in my life, which is kind of what the topic is in this episode. And one thing I've recognized over the years about my testimony is that what proved God to me the most was an encounter with Him. It wasn't apologetics, the stuff that I was raised on, which can be a great proof and still Mm -hmm. one of my passions. But it wasn't my dedication to spiritual activities. It wasn't a convincing sermon to change my ways. And it certainly wasn't the fact that I was born into a really spiritual family, quote-unquote, It was a revelation of who God was to me and who I was to him. So that's my testimony in a nutshell. It was a little bit darker than yours, Josh, and I skipped over a lot. There's there's obviously in in everyone's life some great times and some darker times, but um, as far as my testimony and how I came to know Christ, um, really know Christ, that's that's it in a nutshell. I was uh, very lost, and then God met me where I was at in changed my perspective in life forever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's people out there that do the bragamonies, <laughs> you know, like, the, yeah. well, let me tell you about my my <laughs> my prodigal living. <laughs> I, I hope that didn't sound that way. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they go into vivid detail about some of the successes that they had outside oh, of Jesus. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, you did not do that at all. Yeah. I'm ashamed of those. So, But anyone who's lived that life knows already how how much debauchery is involved and it's uh it's a really a thing for someone who's been lifted out of that lifestyle and yeah so they already know that they don't need to hear it again no amen <laughs> right on so you know a little bit more about me and josh with our testimonies and we hope that helps but um the next thing i go over in my notes is concentrating on grace and faith and how Um, properly understanding faith and grace is the key to conquering doubt in our lives. And I mean all kinds of doubt, whether it be a root of disbelief or a doubt in God's direction in a miserable situation, any other type of doubt. So getting into that, I wanted to go over some verses that I have really leaned on over the years. Uh, Josh, are you good if I continue on on that route? Yes, I want to say one thing. Okay. That um, as a believer, if you are a believer, uh, try to have your God story ready, your testimony. Just 
you know, tell it to somebody, tell it to somebody you trust and see how it, how it feels, yeah. you know, just, I'm not saying like, always have it loaded, you know, yeah. that sounds very crass, but know your story and have your testimony ready because you never know when you're going to be able to share it and you'll never know who it might minister to or who it might reach. So that's just an encouragement that if you've never been able to share your testimony, then I would say start to think about it. Even if you need to write it down, whatever it does, just to have that um, in your heart, uh, because the word of God does say like, always be ready to give to every man an answer. Yes, that's right. And so I, I would just encourage that if, there's anything that you take away from this individual episode, um, go ahead and, and try to have that ready. But hopefully this is not the only thing you take because we have so much more to say. Yes, for sure. No, that's a good thing to point out. And uh, if you don't have a testimony yet, keep listening because I think um, you, you'll have some good things to hear next. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5.7 is a scripture I've leaned on over the years quite heavily. And it says, For we live by faith not by sight. And then echoing that in Hebrews 11.1 1 also says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's a lot of favorite memory verse that mm-hmm. you've probably seen on plaques and everything. But there is a lot of deep truth in these scriptures. It's this concept of separating what we as humans have established as true from the truth that hides behind the veil, the things unseen that the world often scoffs at. And we lean into this knowledge because we know that God's ways are not man's ways, and God's thoughts are not man's thoughts. We read that in Isaiah 55, 8. And these verses reveal a lifestyle that a Christian should develop by faith. And I get that faith is one of those words that has been used so many times that its real meaning often is lost on us, I think. Mm. People will say, keep the faith or just have faith, and it can almost sound like a a cheap Band-Aid phrase to sound spiritual. But faith is so much more than a term used for ignoring deep questions and concerns. Or a George Michael song. Or a George Michael song. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You sneaky dog. (laughs) It is. It's so much more. Um, It's really important that we understand what faith is because it is deeply intertwined with grace. And -hmm. without grace, we have no bridge to God. We are saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2.8. It's impossible to please God without faith, Hebrews 11.6. And then we have the famous hall of faith in Hebrews 11 that we could spend a whole episode on. Mm -hmm. But let's look at faith for a minute. Where does it come from? Romans ten seventeen tells us that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So our first encounter with real faith is our first introduction to the gospel. The first time we hear and are able to comprehend what God did through Christ. Mm-hmm. It's at this point that we can receive the gift of faith through belief, which leads to grace, i.e. salvation. I know that was a lot of systematic <laughs> to this, to that, to this, but it's listen to that over again if you have to. Yeah. And this is where we see that faith is actually a gift. I don't know if everybody looks at it that way. I know for a lot of years I didn't, but... Remember when Jesus promised his disciples that he would send a helper after he ascended? Well, along with the Holy Spirit that resides within us is a gift of faith that God has portioned to each believer. Romans 12.3 says, Think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So it's a gift. 
but it's also a gift that we're in control of. And this is where we can apply the knowledge of faith to conquer our doubt, I believe. Hmm. And this can be tricky for some. I know that we had a listener a while back request an episode not too long ago on the, the roots of predestination, and this is kind of in those realms. But the thing that's hard to grasp, that we really need to grasp, is that faith is both a gift from God and a mentality that we control. We know that it's through faith that we're saved, but if that comes from us, then people want to shout, that's saved by works. Mm. But real faith doesn't really come from us. It's a gift from God. The only thing that we can do is make the choice to receive or not receive this gift. That does originate from us. That's belief. And perhaps we can do a more in-depth episode on, on that topic later. But what's important for this discussion is that we recognize faith is something we can't muster up. Because if we can muster up faith, then we can muster up grace. And we know we can't do that for ourselves. And this might be where some out there listening have been stuck. Maybe the whole reason you haven't jumped full on um, on being a follower of Christ is because you think you have to muster up this blind faith for religion. And it just doesn't sit well with you. And I'm with you. Believe me, that doesn't sit well with me either. But that's where you have the greatest news ever right now the type of news that can conquer your doubts. And that is a relationship with the real God, not religion, but God. And I would encourage you not to abandon a true and progressing walk with God because of bad examples. See what God will do with this thing called faith that he gives you to receive grace. The real experience won't leave you disappointed, I promise. And reach out to us if you have questions about that. But that's really where I felt God leading me for this discussion, and that would be a proper understanding for what faith and grace are and how from that point God will start directing you in a way to conquer every doubt you ever had as you lean into that understanding by faith. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, I kept trying to come up with so many scenarios for you listeners out there on how God can conquer specific doubts. But the more I reflected on my testimony, I kept realizing that most of my doubt has always come from a slow drift away from understanding what faith and grace really are. And when I take some honest time to stop in my busy life to recalibrate on that, then things that felt really scary just hours prior start to become really peaceful as God starts that process in my spirit on understanding who he is, what he's done. Yeah. And um, so that that's what I brought. That's what wow. I brought. Yeah. Wow. I, you know, as I was thinking about that, just looking at faith and grace, because you really have to embrace one to have the other. Mm. And for me, faith is so foundational. Uh, there's that part in Second Peter where he talks about now um, as you grow, and I, I did a teaching one time about it called bodybuilding, because um, in Second Peter he says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and all these things. And it's like faith was the foundation that you had to have. But I love what you said about how 
it's a gift. And we really have to see faith in Jesus as a gift. And then we look at God's grace as a gift. And um, I, I love, I found an, a quote by Arthur Pink that says, grace can neither be bought, earned, or won by the creature. If it could be, it would cease to be grace. And I think that's one of the things that we have to understand as we grow in the Lord and as we grow in grace is that um, as we shine the light of the gospel and shine the light of God's word on our doubts, he's going to be able to answer those things as we walk with him in faith. And and um, just hearing even the new uh, international version of Hebrews 11.1, 1, where um, the New King James says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then the new international says the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction. And I'm just like, man, that's such a great way to say that because that's what we have in God. And when we are able to be assured and when we're able to have that conviction, then those doubts start to fade. And and I agree with you because there's instances where I'm like, well, I want to pinpoint and I want to talk <laughs> um, about real life scenarios. And yet it's kind of fleeting because everybody's situation is so different. Yeah, And I don't want to... Um, like call somebody out. And I also, I've just looked at my life and I think there's been times where, um, Satan has gotten a foothold. And I remember one instance and I'll just go into my life. I remember when I first moved to Lubbock, I came here to help start a church and I had a job for a year. I had two jobs essentially. And, and eventually I, um, told them I was really in this to serve God and they kind of didn't like it. And so I didn't have that job anymore. And I'd gotten the severance package and I thought, man, I've got a, I got two weeks pay just to go find a job. And I went for three months and I really struggled. And I, I remember telling my friend that I'd come out here with is that I said, well, I'd, I'd come to Texas to help. But if the money ever ran out, I felt like that was God saying that he wasn't in me staying. And it was weird because the situation all aligned to where my dad had a truck with a trailer, which he normally didn't have access to. Um, I like was near the end of my lease in my apartment. I was just like, I could move out right now. And yeah. uh, I was depressed and I was going through all these things. And I remember, I'm always like that still small voice kind of guy because I remember somebody asking like, do you trust God to get you a job? And I, I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I remember waking up one morning and, and sitting on my knees in front of my bed going, um, I don't know if I do, God. I don't know if I trust you to get me a job. And it was like that moment of revelation where all of a sudden, like, God is almost there in person saying, but I can, and you can trust me in this. And even in the times that you're struggling the most, I'm still with you. And, you know, the floodgates opened and, and, um, God through a miraculous situation worked it out to where I was able to get a job. Um, the next person that called me basically asked me for an interview for a job. I didn't even know I had applied for. And uh, it was an amazing story. And, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you almost have to come to the point where in your life, if you're experiencing doubts, you have to name them. You have to, to confront them because if you just keep you know, pushing them down, what's going to end up happening is they're going to build and they're going to become 
I would say almost insurmountable to the point where as if you confront them like a lie, it's a lot easier to, to nip them in the bud versus um, allow them to kind of spiral out of control. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, it reminds me of uh, talking about doubt and whatnot and confronting it. There was a, uh, a sermon I heard once by a pastor I really respect that was he was telling a story about how he had witnessed to this girl um, for a long period of time that was an atheist and she just kept on um, throwing questions out and everything and after so many meetings with this girl she eventually came to the realization that she did believe and she told him you know I have so many questions still though I I don't I don't know if I can do this and he said listen you already confess that you believe why don't why don't you follow through that confession and accept Christ and then tomorrow you can come back and we can address these remaining questions and mm-hmm. she said she said okay okay and so she did it and the next day she walked up and he said hey are you ready to talk about some more of those questions and he he said that she was in tears when she said you know I honestly don't have any more questions everything is fine now and wow. It was becoming a follower of Jesus that answered all of her questions. And I don't think that she had every one of her questions answered literally, Mm -hmm. but she realized that it didn't really matter anymore because God became so real to her that she knew whatever wasn't answered would would come in its timing. And it's just, it was a really awesome thing to hear. And I think that's kind of how it is. That's how it's been for me in a lot of doubts that I have honestly, when I just surrender them over and I'm just like, you know what, God, you've got this. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put my faith and trust in you because that's all I got. Yeah, And I'm going to run this mile that I'm in with you. And you know what? Every single time God has come through for me mm-hmm. and he did for her and he will for you too. And so that's, uh, yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, and and I would, um, especially if you're listening, and maybe this is not something that you've done and you haven't taken that step into the faith yet, I don't want you to feel like we just gloss everything over with, well, just believe and then everything will be answered or you don't have any more questions because that's not, like, even as your heart as an apologist, I mean, sometimes we have to ask the hardest questions to make sure that we're not being gullible and we're not just be like, um, you know, just one big swath of peanut butter, just yeah. like, oh, it all makes it better, you know. Yeah. Um, we we want to be snake birds. We want to be Bereans. We want to ask the things and we want to search out um, if it's real or not. But there are so many times where it's like um, – if if you are critical going into it, you're gonna be almost like a witch hunter, you know. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna be on a on a like a tear trying to find something, and and there actually have been people that have experienced that. Um, the case for Christ, Lee Strobel, mm. um, C.S. Lewis. You know, there are people that were like, "I'm gonna disprove this," yeah. and when they jumped into it, they were like, "Oh, <laughs> you exactly, know." Yeah. But. Um, I feel like part of it is coming to God with an open mind. And and I've said this a hundred times, you know, there's no question that we have that God can answer. Mm-hmm. And, and he may not answer it the way we think he needs to, but he will answer it. Yeah. Well, and you know, we, we live on this world, both people that are atheists and people that are believers. And if we're honest, 
there's a lot of questions that have gone unanswered on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things that I, I think uh, I've heard a lot of militant atheists. They come at you like, well, if you can't answer every question, it's like, you know what? You can't either, though. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, some of those will never get answered on this side of eternity. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, um, I have one one quote that I wanted to end with, Josh, but do you have anything else before we, we end? Um, you know, I mean, I was thinking about Harrison Ford and his portrayal of Han Solo in The Force Awakens. And um, just in prep for today, I was thinking about how when he meets John Boyega and Daisy Ridley as um, Finn and Ray, they're all talking about the Force, and he goes... I used to think it was a bunch of mumbo jumbo, but it's real. All of it. (laughs) And I just couldn't help but think of like the critics of Christianity and the critics of the Bible and the critics of walking by faith and and living in the Holy Spirit and sanctification. And, you know, I know that there's people who look from the outside in and they're like, you guys are weirdos. You know, it's mumbo jumbo. But I love like even just... I know it's so sacrilege to be such a nerd and quote Harrison Ford or Han Solo, but it's like when he said, it's real, all of it. And I'm just like, I get chills because I'm like, that's that's faith in Jesus. And that's seeing the things that are unseen. And that's walking in faith. And And of course, you know, we're not talking about the force here. We're talking about something so much more powerful, which is Jesus. And we're talking about the power of grace in our lives. But I just, I've seen God faithful in every step of my life, even when I wasn't faithful Mm -hmm. um, in relationships, in personal crises, in in depression, in um, finances, in um, leading me uh, whether I was moving from you know California to New Mexico or New Mexico to Texas, like big decisions in my life, but also like little things, you know. Oh, yeah. and, and I just I can't help but just testify that God is so good. And when we walk by faith, there are going to be times where we have doubts, but when we actually come to Him, it's being in Him that actually dispels our doubts. Yeah, well said. You know. One of the the things that I'm so grateful for as I look back is God's patience, mm. because there's a, there's a lot of years in my life that went to waste, and it, if I were God, if, <laughs> if I were him, I would have pulled the plug a long time ago. This dude, he's done. <laughs> yeah, and uh, he never did. No. And so for anyone listening that maybe you've wasted a lot of years, too, um, all that Josh just said is, is so true. And uh, being in Christ, like you said, it dispels all that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, great takeaways. Okay, so um, I just have one quote. One author wrote this. In this quest to live by faith, we run into the very real conflict between our old nature and our new nature. There is the continual war between the two, the flesh and the spirit, the temporal and the eternal, the walking by sight and the walking by faith. Our old nature demands to see, to experience, to understand, but the new nature is different. It is able to believe without seeing and feeling, because God has created that new nature in us. So, listener, I would just encourage you, if you haven't taken that step of faith, 
to accept Christ. Mm. You know he's been calling you. You've been putting it off for whatever reason, whether there's a lot of questions you have, whatever it is. Now is the time for salvation. And I would encourage you to make that leap of faith, to step towards God and say, this is me. This is all I am. I can't fix anything before I come because I I just can't. And see what he'll do with you. Because um, let me tell you, if it can happen to me and where I came from, then it can happen for anybody. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we just really encourage you to make that, that leap of faith. Yes. Yeah. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And um, there's just nothing like God's grace. And anyone who's experienced it can testify of that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not a uh, it's not a, a magic cookie cutter thing where we're going to tell you it's going to go just this way, because <laughs> like Josh said earlier, we're all so unique. And uh, God approaches us that way. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, there's nothing like it. No, nope. nothing like it. And it's a free gift, and he's reaching out right now, and he says, come and take it. You know, come boldly to my throne of grace in time of need. And uh, that's what Jesus made the way for. Absolutely. And if you, by chance, do that by listening to this episode, would you please reach out to us and say, hey, um, I accepted Christ. Let yeah. us know. We would love to put you on our prayer list and uh, connect with you that way. So please, please reach out if um, you've made that decision. Yes. And um, if you actually want uh, some guided <laughs> direction on how to receive Jesus, there's actually a No God tab on our website uh, at basnakebird.com. And That's so right. you can go there and um, it there's not, there's not like magic words or anything, but it just directs you and it gives you the scriptural reference and it just says, hey, this is what you're doing. And um, we encourage you do that if you need any direction and then reach out and let us know you can do that through facebook you can do that through uh, email at connect at basnakebird.com man we want to rejoice with you yeah absolutely and if the podcast is helping you grow and you're enjoying it um, please feel free to jump on your podcast platform and give us a rating and review we'd be very appreciative of that yeah that would be amazing all right so uh snake birds or uh soon to be snake birds always remember whatever you do wherever you go no matter what life throws at you there's never been a better time to follow the words of jesus dispel the doubts in your mind by walking in grace and be a snake bird Excuse me. Here we go. But faith is so much more than a term used for ignoring deep questions and concerns. Or a George Michael song. Or, or a George Michael song. Is that it's, is that <laughs> inappropriate right now? <laughs> but do you have anything else before we, we end? Um, you know, I mean, I was thinking about Harrison Ford and his portrayal of Han Solo in... Uh, of course you were. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, that's got to make it in the bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm like, I'm Rise sorry. of Skywalker, Last Jedi, um, The Force Awakens. Okay.
Yeah, cut for bloopers. Please feel free to jump on your podcast platform and give us a rating and review. We'd be very appreciative of that. Yeah, I'd be amazeballs. Uh, what did you say? <laughs> the baseballs. Oh, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say amazing, and then I just filthy animal threw balls in there. <laughs> that would be wonder balls. I, I have no idea what I said. Okay, <laughs> blooper or just leave it in. Okay, probably blooper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>